turn to Matthew with me this morning, if you would, and we're going to be there in a little bit. We're going to kind of take a roundabout way to get there because I have some thoughts I want to challenge you with this morning before we get to the actual passage that we'll be looking at today. And I'd like to begin by asking you this. Now, John always says if this were a classroom, you know, we could have feedback. We can have feedback on Sunday morning, right? And... Uh, of course, we won't quite discuss it and, and uh, challenge each other with different thoughts and things this morning. We'll, we'll kind of move through this, but here's what I want you to think about. What are the prayers in Scripture that Jesus tells us to pray for specifically? Anybody, anything come to mind that you can remember that God said, I want you to pray specifically for this? Oh, wow, somebody's right on target this morning. The peace of Jerusalem. Turn to Psalm 122 with me, if you would. Psalm 122. Did you know that that is a biblical prayer that God commands? And, of course, uh, this was a song of David about Jerusalem. He loved Jerusalem. But in Psalm 122... The Bible says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that's compact together where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to the testimony of Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. For thrones are set there for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. And here's, here's the command, pray for the peace of of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. That is a biblical command to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And by the way, there's a promise attached to that. You want to know why America has stood with Jerusalem all these years? Because God says here, may they prosper who love you. That is the right stand politically or else otherwise but it's a biblical stand to stand with the nation of Jerusalem and pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So you want to pray biblically? There's a prayer request for you. You can pray from time to time or every day or certainly as God brings it to mind for the, for the nation of Israel and for, the, uh, for the, city, the peace of the city of Jerusalem. Okay, you're batting a thousand so far. Can you think of anything else that God asks us to pray for? Turn over to Matthew with me. We're going we're gonna to back to the New Testament now. We'll, we'll eventually get to Matthew 9. But turn to, to, to Matthew uh, chapter 6. This one should be pretty obvious, shouldn't it? Matthew chapter 6, verse number 10. When you get there, you're going to say, oh, yeah. The Lord's Prayer or the Disciples' Prayer. But it should be our prayer. What are we to pray for? What does God tell us to pray for? Uh, and what's close to his heart? Well, here it is. Your kingdom come, your will be done. You know, when you pray for God's will and God's kingdom, it makes our kingdom seem so insignificant, doesn't it? And believe me, folks, as significant as America has been in history and the impact that we've had compared to God's kingdom... This world is nothing. The best of this world, the worst of this it's it pales in comparison to what is coming. And you know from being here at Trinity that we believe this is still future. This is 
what God is bringing. He offered the kingdom to Israel. They refused it. God has been working with the church, but the kingdom is coming, and Jesus is coming back to this earth to reign, literally. So when we pray for God's will to be done, and we pray for his kingdom, we're praying for Jesus to reign on this earth. Don't you long for the day when he will reign from Jerusalem, and there will be righteousness across the world. And if any thing comes against that righteousness it will be put down immediately among the nations we're headed there and it's real and it's coming and we need to focus on not just on the future there's work to be done now we'll get to that in a minute but think about what's coming we're going to reign with him we're going to reign on this earth for a thousand years and then forever with christ that's a good prayer request is it that that takes your mind off what's going on around us when it's difficult think about what god is doing and what we're a part of and what we're going to see there's another request that i'll just share with you quickly turn over to james we're going to take a little trip through scripture this morning and we're going to say what does god tell us to pray for well this is encouraging encouraging to us as a church family isn't it how many of you have needed prayer sometime through the year or the last several months, and you've asked us to pray. And what did you know? That your church family was praying for you. Well, here's a biblical command and a privilege. James 5.16. Confess your trespasses to one another, and what? Pray for one another. First of all, when we confess our sin to one another, what does that tell us? We're all alike. We're all desperately in need of God's grace and of God's presence. There's none of us better than anybody else, none of us worse than anyone else. We desperately need God's grace and we desperately need the prayer of God's people as we walk through this life together. And we should be able to be open with each other and say, pray for me in this area. I'm struggling in this area. And be able to know that it's going to be kept with confidence and it's only going to be taken before the throne of God. Pray for one another. That is a biblical command. And what a privilege we have to pray together and to pray for one another. Well, as we continue to think about things God tells us to pray for. I have a tough one for you. Back to Matthew 5. This is a little uh, prick in the heart this morning because it's hard to do. And when you see it, you're going to agree with me. Matthew 5, 44. I'll give you a second. I'm all over the place. Matthew 5, 44. But I say to you... Love your enemies. Increasingly hard to do in America, isn't it? We're so polarized. We're so divided. We're, we're so uh, passionate, I guess is the word, about what we believe and about what others don't believe. And sometimes we consider other people our enemy, but they're not. There, there's one enemy who's trying to divide us, you know who that is. That's Satan at work trying to divide us. But listen to this. Um, Matthew five forty four. 
But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. I didn't hear too many amens. I hear quietness because it's hard, isn't it? You know, Jesus gave some hard commands. That's one of them. Uh, that would be a good series of study, The Hard Sayings of Jesus. Somebody wrote a book about that. And he, he went through and he looked at all these things that Jesus said for us to do, which are difficult. In fact, they're impossible for us to do unless he does it through us. And that's one of them, isn't it? How can you pray for those who despitefully use you? Well, only by the grace of God can you do that. And realizing, first of all, who you are, who we are in our hearts, you know, we're no better than, than others who, who, who use us and who use other people. And we get very passionate about that because it's injustice. But God says, pray for those who despitefully use you. There's one for you to work on this week. And then as we think of missions... I'll just give you these two, and then we'll go to our passage. If you want to pray for missionaries, here's a way that you can pray. 2 Thessalonians 3.1, I'll just give you the passage, and you can write it down. Paul said to pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly. He didn't say pray for our material needs or pray for our safety. He gets around to that and for protection. Those are the things that we usually pray for for missionaries, aren't they? Lord, keep them safe. Lord, meet their needs. Uh, Lord, provide for them. But when you meet a person who truly is preaching the gospel and wants the gospel to go forward more than anything else, here's what they will say. You pray that the word goes forth with power. That's what changes people, is the word, the truth, the gospel. And so any person who has stepped out on faith and said, I'm going to a place I've never been, I may be learning a language that I've never spoken, and there are all kinds of needs that they have, but, but most of all they're going to say, pray for the reason that I'm going there to begin with, and that is that the gospel may go forth with power, that the word of the Lord may run swiftly. That's a wonderful concept, isn't it? To see the word of the Lord change people and see it just go across a, a, a nation and make great changes. That's a request of, of a missionary. And here's another one. Colossians 4.3. Praying that God would open a door. An open door. When, when people go to a, a place they've never been and they try to start a new ministry, whether it's a church plant or whatever it is in this country, or all of they say... Ask the Lord to open a door, to open a door, to help us to meet people, the right people at the right time, uh, to connect us with the people that can help us and the people that the Lord has placed there. Help us connect with them so that the Word of God and the work of God can go forward. So as we think of missions and as we think of what we're going to experience the next couple of weeks as we go into our mission summit, and by the way, part of that is our shoebox night and uh, all that's going on there. We want to pray about these things and come and be a part of them. You know, there's some wonderful stories about what happens with these shoeboxes. By the way, we collect the ones now that will be given next year. Did you know that? 
the ones that are going to be given this year are already in place. And it's amazing the logistics involved in, in this ministry. So we're, we're praying right now as we give for next year's, if the Lord tarries. But the boxes are probably already getting ready to be distributed. So that, that is something that you as an individual can have an impact on. You, you don't know what God will do with that. But please come and please help us and please serve in that. Okay, back to Matthew 9. So the command that here's the command that I want to share with you this morning that Jesus has commanded for all of us as we think about the harvest of the Lord and what we're doing together. I think you're going to have to advance my slides. I think my battery's gone this morning, but uh, if you would move ahead to the uh, the message, okay? You can move on through those and to math to the scripture. I'm going to read Matthew 9, 35 through 38, if you want to follow with me. Then Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Now let me stop there. What was that a sign of? That was a sign of the coming kingdom. This was an offer to Israel to embrace their king. This was a sign of the king healing. And uh, demon-possessed people were healed and, and all the, every disease was healed. This was the power of Jesus himself as God going about the land, everyone he touched. So it was a sign of the kingdom that God promised. But look at verse 36. Now here's where I hope God touches your heart this morning as he has mine. But when he saw the multitudes, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Folks, that's the world that we live in. People are scattered. They have, they're like sheep with no shepherd. And here's the command. And here's the command to us this morning. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You want to pray biblically? You ask God to send laborers into His harvest. And then you become a laborer yourself in His harvest. And you pray for those around you who are like sheep without a shepherd. And it's not hard to find them, folks. You go outside these walls and they're everywhere. They're everywhere. When we pray like Christ commanded something's going to happen to us when we truly take these prayers to heart and we begin to pray as Christ commanded something is going to happen and I hope it happens to us over the next week two weeks as we had if if you begin to pray as Jesus commanded and I begin to pray and we agree together to pray as Christ commanded something's going to happen in our lives we're going to be changed 
Because when we pray as Christ commanded, the first thing that's going to happen is we're going to see what he saw. And what did he see? Well, he saw the multitudes. Now, when we see a crowd, what do we see? Well, we see a crowd, don't we? How many of you don't like crowds? None of us have been in crowds for two or three years, right? Because there was fear about a crowd. And I want to tell you something. Time has passed quickly. You know, the last two or three... Somebody was telling me that they, they saw some elderly folks and they hadn't seen them in a couple of years. And after two years, they, they, and they said, I, I barely recognize them. We don't realize how much time has passed and really how much time has been wasted while we have been in fear. And we, one of the things that we have feared is crowds. Did Jesus fear crowds? No, he was right at home in a crowd. But I'll tell you what Jesus saw when he went to a crowd. He saw individuals. You know, I stand up here this morning and I see a congregation, but if I look if I take a moment and look closer, I see individuals. I see needs. I see hearts. I see some broken hearts. I see some joyful hearts. I see people who are uh, at the pinnacle of their life. And, and then I see others who are struggling. Some of us are struggling with health. Some of us are struggling with other issues. So as a pastor, I try to look at people like Jesus looked at people. You know, we're individuals with needs, with, with struggles. And all of us have them, including the pastors. We're very transparent about that. You know, we... What goes on in our family, similar things that go on in your family. You know, sometimes people think because you're serving the Lord, you have no difficulties. You know, you have no struggles. Well, I'm not going to go into detail this morning, but we have plenty of our own. And sometimes we have attacks that you may not know about or might not understand because of where we stand. So when Jesus saw people... He saw individuals. In fact, he saw eternal souls headed for eternity in one of two places. Heaven or hell. That's what he saw when he looked at people. Now, what do we see? By the way, the harvest is large. Huge, right? When Jesus spoke, there probably were millions on earth. Do you know how many people are on earth right now? I did some research this week and it shocked me a little bit because, you know, time passes and we're talking about 7 billion, right? We've surpassed 7 billion. Did you know as of October of 2022, there are 7.98 billion people in this world? And by November 15th, there will be over 8 billion people on earth. Hard to fathom, isn't it? 8 billion. And here's, here's the challenge. Most of them have never heard a clear presentation of who Jesus is. You know, we live in a nation where if we want to hear it, we can hear it. What's sad is more and more people are saying, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Well, we want to hear it, don't we? And we want other people to hear it because that's the heart of God and that's what Jesus 
came for, and that's when, when he looked at people, even before he went to the cross, he was looking at individuals, and he knew, I'm going to take that one's place, and that one's place, and that one's place, and all their places. But it was very personal. Individuals. He saw souls. So if the harvest was large in his day, what is it now? Well, it's huge. It's almost overwhelming, isn't it? Where do we start? Well, we start with one person. And we start with our community. And we start with our home and our street and our friends and our workplace. And when God's people pray like Jesus told us to pray, and we begin to see people like He sees people, then God will move and He will do something and He will reach people through us. By the way, I don't work where you work. I don't go to school where you go to school. I don't frequent exactly where you do. I'm one person. But when all of us go out and we pray and we see people like Jesus saw, what a difference it can make right here in our community and across the world. When we pray as Christ commanded, we'll see what he saw. But something else will happen. We'll feel what he felt. Now, think about that for a minute. We see what, when we look at souls, and, and by the way, we're quick to judge, aren't we? We see a certain kind of dress. We see a certain uh, kind of person. You know, we see uh, tattoos or piercings or uh, a hair color or now, you know, it's just all kinds of things. What do we, what do we automatically do? Well, we judge. We, we make a decision based upon how that person looks. Jesus never did that. You go back and you look at his interaction with people, and the, 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 the people thought these were the most sinful people in the world. They avoided them. They wouldn't talk to them. They judged them. What did Jesus do? He went straight to them. And he said, I can change your life. And that hasn't changed. You know, people really haven't changed. We think, we think they have, but they haven't. They're, they're, people are just people like they were in his day. But when we look at them, what do we see? Do we see uh, people that aren't like us? Or do we see a person who has no shepherd? They're like sheep without a shepherd. We should feel pity when we see people that we know are so far from God that they have no concept of him. And it's obvious in their life and their lifestyle. But what did Jesus see when he saw people like that? Well, when we pray as God prays, we'll see people as he saw them, but we'll feel what he felt. What did he feel? Well, that passage says he was moved with compassion. Now here's God in the... In the flesh, the second person of the Trinity, holy God among sinful people. And if anyone could have said, you're all condemned, you're all lost, there's no hope for any of you, Jesus could have said that. What if he had said that? What if he said, I'm not, I'm not dealing with any of you. you know, I'm just going to go on back to heaven where I came from and, and leave you in your pity. He didn't do that, did he? He looked at them, and the Bible says he was moved with compassion. 
That word compassion is, is an interesting word. What does it mean? It means to suffer along with. When you see somebody who is obviously so far from God and so lost, is your first reaction to judge and say, they're not like me and I have nothing? Or is your first reaction to say, that person needs the Lord desperately? So do I. So did I. I'm no different. And when Jesus looked at people, he looked at people with compassion. He, he suffered along with them and he thought, how awful to be going through this life with no direction, no hope, no future. Separated from God now and separated from God forever. If someone doesn't intervene in their life, and he did. As a matter of fact, what did he do? He did the ultimate act of compassion. He took their place that's what compassion means is to put yourself in someone else's place that's hard for us to do isn't it we're not very good at it neither am i i'm not preaching down i'm saying we we automatically react to and increasingly so as the world gets crazier and crazier and the chaos and we look at people and we say they're not like me and they're not in my political party and they don't have my beliefs and we condemn them and it's almost like we say go on to hell that's what you want to do go on we wouldn't dare say that would we but do we feel that and do we act that way? And is it in our hearts to judge and to say, they're, they're so far gone, just let them go. Jesus had compassion on people that weren't like him because nobody was like him. Holy God, looking at sinful people, and yet, instead of judging and condemning, what did he say? He said, I'm going to put myself in their place, literally. I'm going to the cross to die for their sins so that they can have a relationship with the Father. Wow. What would happen if that happened to us as a, as a congregation? And what if we began to, to see people like Jesus saw them and to feel what he felt when we see other people, especially the ones that aren't like us. What else will it do when we pray as Christ commanded? Well, we'll pray what he prayed. What did he pray? Well, it's assumed in this passage that if Jesus was saying to his disciples and saying to us, ask the Father for laborers, that he too was praying that God would send laborers to this great harvest that is so large. Now we're going to meet, week after next, some choice laborers in God's work. They're just they're choice people who God has called out, they have obeyed, they have left everything that they knew, and you know, they won't stand up and tell you this, but that's the truth. They have, they have sacrificed this life and sometimes their desires, actually God's desires have become their desires. That's a better way to say it. And they'll tell you that. You know, this is what God has called me to do. My desire 
is now his desire. And his desire is to see people all over the world come to know him. So I've given my life to that end. And I'm glad to come and share with you and you to encourage me. And this is, this is the people that we're going to meet, the caliber of people that we're going to meet when we have our mission summit. When you see people the way Jesus saw them and you pray the way that Jesus prayed, we will see people sent into the harvest. Now, I'm going to plow real close to the corn, okay? How many of us are afraid to ask God to send our children and our grandchildren into the harvest field of the Lord? You know, I worked at a Bible college for a number of years, and I saw people come who were training for the pastorate for missions for some kind of Christian work. And I can't tell you how many times that I had students come and say, I would love to come to this college, but my parents don't want me to come here. They want me to do this, and they want me to do that. They don't want me... To, to live a life that's dependent on God. They, they think this career is more important and this thing is more important. And I, I saw some who struggle through school on their own because they didn't have support, but they followed what God called them to do. But sadly, I saw people that walked away and went on to something else rather than what was in their heart because their family wouldn't support them in the call of God on their life. That's terrifying. That's, that's saying to God, uh, I don't want you to do your will in the life of my child or my grandchild or the person that I love. I want to keep them here close to me so I can be near them. And so, now, I told you, it's close to the corn. If we pray as Jesus prayed, we would say, call my loved one to serve you. And by the way, isn't it wonderful when we see somebody called out of our congregation to go and serve God? We should rejoice, we should be so thankful, and we should see that as evidence of God working right here and being an atmosphere where people are sensing the call of God, like Christopher and Selena. He spoke last Sunday night, did a tremendous job. God is calling him out, he's training for ministry. And we should rejoice in that, that God would would bless us by calling people from us to go and give their lives to serve Him. Well, I'll let you chew on that this week. No bad emails, okay? (laughs) Eight billion, most of whom have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel, and many who have never heard the name of Jesus. The harvest is huge. It's not across the ocean. It's right here in our community. It's right across the street. You know, uh, one thing we're noticing with our building changes is, is people are saying, that's a church over there. And they're coming by and they're dropping by. Some people drop by and wanted to vote early. Well, they can't do that here, of course. But I'm glad that they know that we're here and where they're going to be coming. Uh, but people are noticing, and they're noticing that this is an uh, uh, open place with compassion, uh, and that people care about them. 
And so it starts right here, folks. Don't think it's something that we hire others to do or pay others to do or provide for others to do to go to a place that we don't want to go to. We should never ask anyone to go do what we're not willing to do right here. And when we, when we see our mission field that way, God blesses us and He brings people here who are hungry for the Word and who are hungry for the Gospel. And we're so excited about what He's doing and what He's going to do here at Trinity and here in our community. So, what did Jesus see? He saw individuals without a shepherd. What did He feel? He felt compassion. How did he pray? He said, God, send somebody to, to reach them. Send somebody, send me to reach them. And if we pray like that, here's what we will do. We will do what he did. What did he do? Well, this passage says he went about healing every sickness, every disease among the people. Can we do that? No, we can't do that. Can God do that? Yes, God can do that. But what can we do? We can meet... He, he, the bottom line is this. He met needs. He met needs of people wherever they were. And by the way, a lot of them were physical needs so that he could have the opportunity to meet a spiritual need. Now folks, the opportunities that we have to do that are almost endless. You know, we did a real small thing at Fall Festival. We had a coat campaign so that anybody who needed a coat could come here and get one. And, but it was really an opportunity for them to come and, and meet us and to meet the Lord and to know that there's a place that cares. And churches that I've been involved with my whole ministry sometimes shy away from that. You know, they see that as kind of... Uh, well, you're meeting a physical need, but what about the spiritual need? So they don't do anything. And we look at churches who are really strong on meeting physical needs and, men, and uh, organizations, and a lot of them only meet physical needs because they don't know how to meet spiritual needs. Well, why can't we take the two and put them together? You know, why can't we reach out with compassion to people here in our community and say, come, we care about you, we love you, God loves you. What are your needs? We want to meet your needs, but we want to tell you about the greatest need in your life that you may not even know about, and that is your need for a relationship with God. And when Jesus met people's needs, he did it as an act of compassion, but that wasn't the end, was it? That was just an open door so that he could share with them. And let me tell you something that you've never heard. Let me tell you something about yourself. Now, it helps when you're God and you know all about everybody, doesn't it? Like he did. He knew every human heart. But we know enough to know this. Every person has an empty place in their life until God fills it. Amen? Weren't you that way? Before you knew the Lord, you didn't even know that you needed a relationship. You didn't even know you had a void in your life. You didn't even know you were empty. You didn't even know where you were headed. But when you met Jesus, and He changed your life, 
You knew then that this is what you had been searching for, whether you knew it or not. And people around us are the same way. Now, what are we going to do? What are we going to do the next two weeks and hopefully beyond? It's not, you know, we focus on mission and we focus on what God is doing, but that should just be the beginning and it should carry on in our lives from then on. So let me just challenge you to start praying about this and thinking about it. You know, this... This is challenging to think about people like Jesus thought and to have compassion on them like he had and to, to, to pray like he did and to do what he did. You know, you don't just pray from a distance. You go and get involved in people's lives. And if you begin to pray and you begin to look, God's going to open doors for you right in your neighborhood and right where you are to help you to do this with other people. So... Where, what is our mission field? Well, your mission field is your home, first of all, right? Don't overlook your own family. That's where it should begin. And your extended family. You know, time passes. Some of you have extended family that you haven't seen in a while, and you have, they've grown older. Time has passed. What's their relationship with God like? Have you thought about that? Like, you know, we kind of get, uh, get in our own world. We forget about people around us. People that we dearly love who might need a word from you. It might be a letter. It might be an email. It might be a phone call. It might be a visit to say, God put you on my heart, and I've been concerned about you and your relationship with God. Can I talk to you about it? What about your friends? Did you know that with your friends, you may be the only person that they know who has a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it is you who can talk to them like nobody else can. Only you. God has put you in that position and in that place. And we want to be faithful. We want to be compassionate. We want to think like Jesus thought and acted. What about your coworkers? What about your classmates? What about your neighbors? We can go on and on and on. But here's what I want to close with this morning. I, I have a conviction. I want to see if you, can, you share this conviction. Here's my conviction. That every person ought to have the privilege of hearing about Jesus at least one time. I'm talking about a clear presentation of the truth you know, people know around the fringes, don't they? They know there's a God. They know, they know that, that Jesus lived. But, but do they know the gospel? Do they know why Jesus came? Do they know what he did? Do they know that he did it for them? That's what we know. Why would we keep that to ourselves? I have a conviction that everybody needs to hear a clear presentation of the gospel at least one time. So here's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to bow as we close. And I'll bet you this has already happened. If, if you came this morning with a heart for the Lord and you came with an open heart to the Word, God's already spoken to you about this. But here's what I want to ask you to do this week. Just, just bow your heads this morning and you, you just talk to the Lord in, in your heart. And you say to him, Lord, would you bring to my heart at least one person who is like a sheep without a shepherd?
would you bring to my mind and my prayer life and my thoughts this week, not just a passing thing on Sunday morning, then we go out and forget, would you impress on me someone around me that needs a relationship with Jesus? And then would you open the door and would you give me the boldness and the compassion and the wisdom to begin to pray for them and to begin to look for an opportunity to make a relationship with them or rekindle a relationship with them or the opportunity to tell them the greatest thing that ever happened to you the day that you met Jesus. I bet God's already brought people to your mind. People you'd forgotten about. People who are heavy on your heart. Right now. People that you love. Maybe people that are your enemy. But they need Jesus. They desperately need Him. So I'm going to ask you to, to pray right now in your heart to the Lord. And I'm going to pray for us, okay? And then we're going to close in a moment. Father, we are... We're so earthly and earthy (laughs) that most days we only think about today and ourselves. And I think there's an epidemic of selfishness among us. I admit it. And I think all of us, if we think, would admit, you know, I'm mostly about my life. I'm mostly about myself. I'm mostly about my family and my world, and uh, my goals, and my desires, and when we, when we get that pronoun in front of what you have for us, uh, we can fail, or at best, we can live less of a life than you want us to live, and have less of an impact that you want us to have. So this morning, we admit our selfishness, and our self-centeredness, and that we're all about ourselves. But that's time, it's time for that to end if we're going to walk with you and be what Jesus was and, and do what he did and see what he saw and feel what he felt. So I pray that you would open our eyes this week. First of all, we'd, we'd step back from ourselves long enough to look around us and to see people as individuals, as sheep without a shepherd, as lost Because they don't know Jesus. And you've called us as a church to point people to Him. That's what we're here for, is to point people to Jesus. And we do that every day as we go about whatever you've given us to do in life. And we're aware of people around us. And you bring to us your Word, and the Spirit of God prompts us and says, there's a person that needs the Lord, and I'm the person to share with them. Lord, if if we would do that as a congregation, what a change we would have at Trinity. We'd become about what's going on outside of our walls and not just what's going on inside. That's the greatest challenge that we have. That's the greatest challenge that the church has at large. Not focusing on what's going on inside this building, although we love each other and we love the fellowship, but what about people outside this building? right here in our community, right down the street, right next door, right in our homes. Lord, lay on our hearts people this week 
who need Jesus. Confront us to the point that it's just so clear that that this is what you're saying to us is exactly what Jesus said. These people are sheep without a shepherd. You know the truth, and you're the one to love them and share with them. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the Spirit of God that has brought us together today. May we go and may we do, may we see, may we feel what Jesus felt and do what he did. Because we're entering the mission field right now as we leave these doors. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.